you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, fully vaccinated and still trying to dodge the Delta variant like I was Neo in the Matrix. Uh, we are getting close to the regular season. We are fully into training camps. We got another fun show for you. Producer Justin is uh, alongside for the ride, as always, uh, fresh off his nice vacation in St. Thomas. You know, I I, I you know, took some time off, but I stayed here and like went to like, you know, really exotic places like Hawthorne and Lawndale. Uh, Producer Justin was like, chilling on a yacht in St. Thomas. We are not the same. Um, but joined today uh, for a fun show by a woman that I met a couple of years ago uh, at the King's Classic at the legendary King's Classic after party at the fabulous Buffalo Wild Wings in Canton, Ohio. Uh, she decided at the time that a trade of her Moscow mule for whatever <laughs> beer I was drinking was an even trade. I will never let her forget it. It's all in good fun. Uh, it is from Ball Blast, one only <laughs> Michelle Majuk. Michelle, uh, I love talking to you. I love having you on. I know we've been trying to do this for a while. Schedules finally aligned. So I uh, appreciate you making some time. How are things? I'm great. And I want to clear the air here. I feel like in my memory, you said, I don't want this Moscow meal. Do you want it? Now I was like many, many drinks in. So I think I made this up and I just stole your Moscow meal. But in my head, I swear you offered it to me. It could be, who knows? I, you know, like we are, we are a couple of years removed from it now. I know we were both a couple of drinks in. So the whole thing gets fuzzy, but uh, you know, I love giving you a hard time about it because it's, just, it's just a fun thing to do. And the um, expo's coming up. In like it's coming up. Yeah. So uh, a couple of weeks, we'll uh, a bunch of us will gather in Canton. Should be a good time. Uh, shout out to, to Bob Long uh, and Brad Evans, who originally kind of put the Kings Classic together. And from that has grown the Fantasy Football Expo, which has become really kind of a nice uh, meet and greet networking opportunity for a lot of folks in the industry. I know for me, it's been a lot of fun to just meet people in person that I only know from social media uh, so that has been great. Um, and, you know, randomly, I came across the business card you and Kate gave me uh, at that time. <laughs> we were <laughs> handing those music. things out like crazy. I mean, we were a brand new company at that time. We were just starting out like two months in. So now it'll be really fun to go back. And like we have so many more people that we actually know. And just to get to meet them in real life will be a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just I was like, you know, organizing, cleaning up some stuff. And I'm like, hey, look at this. Uh, I came across the ball blast business card there. So, uh, all right, we got plenty to talk about because training camps are underway. I mean, not only are you doing work with ball blast, you were also on the side working as a researcher for NFL media. So you are definitely neck deep in all of this training camp news and definitely want to get your fantasy thoughts on it. The first thing, um, yeah, this is this goes back to last week. Uh, after we had recorded our show, but definitely a big piece of news from the offseason. Aaron Rodgers is finally agreeing to a deal. He is in camp 
He is working with the Packers. Uh, I know that everybody was sort of holding their breath uh, and waiting to see what happened with Rodgers and, and how that was going to impact him. For you, where do you have Aaron Rodgers ranked now that we know for sure he's playing this year? Yeah, and you know, it's like all offseason long, especially working with NFL Network. It's like Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and you don't know what's going to happen, and then he ends up just showing up day one, and everything's <laughs> fine, and he's back at it. But I, you know... I went with the mindset that he was going to be playing for the Packers this season. So I had him ranked out, um, projected for a certain amount of points, and he turns out to be my quarterback 10. Mm. I am not very high on him this year. I know he had an awesome fantasy season last year, but he threw for a gazillion touchdowns. And when you're talking about his efficiency, like it's not sustainable. Uh, when you just look at 2019, he was a quarterback 14 in points per game in fantasy, quarterback nine in points per game in 2018. I expect that to go back down from what he was last year as quarterback four. I think he is going to fall further to that quarterback 10. It's mostly because, you know, he doesn't put up the rushing yards and he he's not going to throw for the same amount of touchdowns again last year. He threw for 48, had a 9.1 touchdown percentage. That's going to come down. It doesn't mean it's going to come down a ton, right? Like he, he's a fantastic quarterback, but even if that comes down to a very reasonable 6% or even 7%, he's going to disappoint in fantasy football compared to where you have to take him. And then he just had an insanely efficient year everywhere else as well, like completed 71% of his passes. He's always around 65 the rest of his career. So you expect that to come down. His yards per attempt were at 8.2. This four seasons before that, 7.3, 7.0, 7.4, 7.0. So expect that to come down as well. They didn't really add anyone else. Like Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers does not move the needle for me. <laughs> it excites so, you? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm not. I'm not going to draft Aaron Rodgers where he's currently being drafted. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, look, I feel like 10 is still fine, right? You're still talking about him solidly in the QB one range last year. I kept referring to, you know, it was the Aaron Rodgers petty party, right? Like he was unhappy. Obviously he felt disrespected because they had drafted Jordan love. And I think he sort of went out and just tried to, to, you know, kind of stick it to Packer management while at the same time, really putting it on the opponents that he was playing. I don't know if he can keep that same sort and look, I, I don't know. He, he's a professional athlete. He's obviously done this for a long time, but it does feel like what he did last year isn't really sustainable to the levels he did. And you know, here's the thing, Michelle. I remember last year we were sort of fading Rogers a little bit then too. We weren't yeah. sure how good he was going to be. He exceeded pretty much everyone's expectations, but I think it's hard to think he can go and repeat that again this year. So you talk about you know them getting Randall Cobb in a trade and, and drafting Amari Rogers. Obviously, Devontae Adams is still far and away the number one target in this offense. Now, you said you sort of ranked Rogers on the assumption that he was going to play. Did you do the same for Devontae Adams? Is he was he your wide receiver one? Is he now your wide receiver one? So I had him at wide receiver two until the Aaron Rodgers news was official. I had Stephon Diggs at number one. But once Aaron Rodgers was officially coming back and there was no worries about him even missing a game this season, you know, unless there's an injury or something like that, he had to move back up to my wide receiver one. I, they He missed a couple games last year. They only threw 526 times and he still absolutely was dominant for fantasy football better than any other wide receiver by far he's going to get 150 plus targets in this offense uh and he's 
the thing, the difference between him and Stefan Diggs, because Stefan Diggs will also get 150 targets in the Buffalo Bills offense. You know, Adams is going to score double digit touchdowns. He just does it every single year. Stefan Diggs could, but he hasn't done it yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take the guy that's just dominant in the red zone and has, you know, Aaron Rodgers just slinging it to him every single game over and over and over. It was amazing to watch Devontae Adams put up the numbers he did, knowing that he he basically missed a couple of games, like two and a half games, essentially, yeah. uh, that, that he missed with injury and still finished as the wide receiver one. It would have been interesting to see how much of a gap he could have put between himself uh, and the rest of the field if he had played a, a full season there. So, uh, all right, so we got the Packers stuff out of the way. That was the thing that had sort of been holding, you know, just kind of hanging over our heads for the entire offseason. We can put that to bed. So now we get to Indianapolis, where um, I feel like they are the this is fine dog at the moment. <laughs> like they're sitting in a burning room trying to like, you know, act like they're going to be OK. Uh, the big news that came down on Monday, Carson Wentz uh, is going to have foot surgery. The, the injury had kind of been known for a while, and it was a question of whether or not he could sort of rest and get better. Now he's going to have surgery. He's going to be out anywhere from five to 12 weeks which is sort of a weird time frame. I'm not a doctor. I'm not yeah. going to argue it, but it's just, it's just weird. Um, so for you, I mean, how did you feel about Carson Wentz before the injury and how much does this change things when you look at, at him, at his wide receivers there? Yeah, that's the thing with Carson Wentz. He's one of those guys. I was like, maybe I would draft in the double digit rounds in fantasy football, but I wasn't, I was already not too excited about it. And that was before this injury. Like, his offensive weapons are just fine, right? Like you have an older <laughs> T.Y. Hill and you have Paris Campbell coming off a big injury. You have Michael Pittman. Hopefully he develops in his second season. But I feel like his best weapon is Jonathan Taylor, who I think will steal a ton of the touchdowns on the ground. So I'm not too excited about Carson Wentz. You know, he has been pretty terrible as of late. I know Frank Reich, you know, hopefully he fixes him. Wentz was great under when he worked underneath him with the Eagles. I already had him in like the Derek Harker Cousins Baker Mayfield range and like the quarterback 20 range. So I already wasn't too excited. And now he's just he's not draftable. You you can't you can't draft a guy that's already probably not going to be a top 10 quarterback anyways. And then he's going to miss anywhere from, you know, a month to two months. Yeah, I you know, I two years in a row now, I have sort of you know tried to believe in the Carson Wentz resurrection last year in Philly at, at, at was obviously a, a disaster that didn't work out at all. I felt like, okay, now he's back with Frank Reich. This is a chance for him to sort of maybe rebuild himself to, uh, to play behind a great offensive line. Although, you know, it's funny. Uh, I think it was, uh, well, Justin producer, Justin, uh, he, he funneled me some numbers that he had found uh, on the interwebs that basically showed that, that with Frank Reich and without Frank Reich, Wentz's numbers were shockingly similar, which sort of made me worried a little bit about that. Uh, now with the injury, you're right. I mean, he's completely off the board, although now I have to go back because I'm pretty sure I've drafted him in some early drafts, kind of late as a second quarterback option, like on the hopes that he could resurrect himself. Um, that's pretty much out the window at this point. Now, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor, who I think is really interesting. He was the guy that I know the hype train for him has been rolling since February, basically. I've seen him going in the top five, top six in a lot of places. Now the Colts find out that Quentin Nelson, uh, their star offensive lineman, has the same foot injury that Carson Wentz does, and he is on the same five to 12-week timetable. Um, how much does this affect how you feel about Jonathan Taylor now? 
Yeah, it's just so wild that they both have the same injury and had to undergo the same surgery because Carson Wentz injury came from like a prior issue from back mm. in high school. And then they're saying Quentin Nelson's is from like when he was born. I'm like, how <laughs> random is that that both of these guys are dealing with this? You know, Jonathan Taylor is a running back I absolutely love. Like coming out of school, I was so excited about him. And I want to be so excited about him this year. And I have been all off season long. It's like, this is a lot on him right now because if they go into the season with Jacob Eason as their starting quarterback, they're not going to score. Like how often are they going to get down to the goal line to get Jonathan Taylor into the end zone? Now I do think they're going to feed him the ball like crazy. Like we could almost see like a cam Akers type situation last year where the quarterback situation was just so bad. They just kept handing it off to Akers like 30 times. We could see that with Jonathan Taylor, but now I'm getting really worried about, um, you know, the scoring opportunities. And then the line just took a big hit. He's going like early first round. If I'm deciding between him, you know, and an Alvin Kamara or even Ezekiel Elliott, he might have to lean those two over Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor. I don't love it, but just to minimize the risk. I know. I I completely understand. It's funny because I, I don't think I've drafted Taylor in many spots, not because I think anything bad about him just because it, for whatever reason, my luck of the draw has been, I've been like the, the later part of first rounds. So he just hasn't been available to me. It hasn't, it's been, it hasn't been my choice. Um, but I'm very curious to see in the next week or so where his ADP falls to uh, as people kind of reevaluate what this Colts offense is going to be. Because I think, I think you made the pertinent point in that with Jacob Eason at quarterback, assuming assuming Indianapolis doesn't make a move and try to get another quarterback. They have in there, to. They have think, to send right? somebody. You would think so. I mean, I know the the, the Nick Foles jokes were already starting. Uh, I mean, I've, I've seen in seriousness, you know, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody they maybe you know, k- kick the tires on or something like that. Um, but if they're not scoring points, uh, if they're not moving the ball enough to score points, then it is going to be very tough to get that kind of value, especially early first round value out of Jonathan Taylor. So that's, um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's sort of gone sideways in the space of two days for, for the Colts. I mean, it looked like maybe things could be positive. Now uh, it's very much a, a wait and see. And what's like super disappointing is if, you know, Jacob Eason does turn over the ball a ton and the defense can't hold their own anymore because the offense just keeps turning it over. Mm-hmm. They're falling down in games. They do have a really good pass catching running back and Naeem Hines. And Mm -hmm. if they're down by 10 points, they're probably going to start putting him into games instead of Jonathan Taylor, which is just going to be a headache altogether. I will not be surprised at all if Jonathan Taylor (laughs) comes out and kills it, but I probably will not be drafting him because I don't want to take on that risk. You know, you brought up another interesting side note there too, though, is that uh, if they're not moving the ball, how much is that defense going to be on the field and how effective is that defense going to be fantasy wise? I think I I think back to a few years ago with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they had a good defense, but because Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions and put them in bad situations a lot, um, it didn't look as good as maybe it should have. They get Tom Brady. uh, Things look amazing. They win a Super Bowl, whatever. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Um, In Philadelphia, Devontae Smith is going to be out for a couple weeks with an MCL sprain. I'm saying two to three weeks potentially for him. I love Devontae Smith. I've drafted him in a lot of places. I know you are a fan of Devontae Smith. How worried are you about this? You know, it's never good news when uh, a rookie or any player has to make a miss a chunk of the preseason. But I'm not too worried because I do believe that Devonta Smith is just an extreme talent. So, you know, yesterday I tweeted out like, yes, this isn't great news, but we saw it just happen with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf in 2019 and their rookie offseason. D.K. Metcalf had knee knee surgery. It was just a small Mm. procedure, Uh, but on August 20th. So we're still looking at 17 days later that D.K. Metcalf had to deal with his issue, and then he was ready to go week one, and he put up a really nice game. He had 89 yards. He was completely fine. A.J. Brown missed a chunk of the training camp that season as well, put up 100 yards week one. And People were like, well, why are you comparing him to two of the greatest wide receivers in the NFL? It's like, well, Devonta Smith was the best <laughs> college wide receiver of like all time. So I, I feel like I can compare him to them because I'm expecting great things out of him. And I'm expecting them immediately because he just jumped into this offense, to the Eagles offense. And they're like, yep, you're our wide receiver one. There's no competition. They didn't even act like he had to compete with anybody. <laughs> that He was the wide receiver one. You saw in practice, all of the passes were going his way. He's, he's going to be the focal point when he's on the field. So let's just hope this injury truly is just two to three weeks. If that's it, then he's going to be completely fine. And I I still want to draft him this year. Yeah, I still, you know, even after the news came out, I did a mock draft yesterday and uh, I still drafted him. Uh, Just, I just don't, I'm not concerned about it yet. And I know, I know the fear is you have, especially rookies missing time, as you mentioned, but I just, like you said, he walks in and he's immediately the best wide receiver in Philadelphia. So that to me, by far, right? That's me. He says that like, okay, he's going to rest. He's going to get that knee healthy and then he'll come back and he's going to see a ton of targets. Um, and I'm just not, I'm not panicked. Um, similarly in Baltimore, Marquise Brown's dealing with a hamstring injury that apparently is worse uh, than anybody originally thought it was going to be, which led to what is now my favorite quote of the offseason, John Harbaugh saying he's out until he's back, which is the thing I'm going to use from now on whenever somebody's hurt. Like, how long is so-and-so going to be out? Well, he's out until he's back. That's just what I'm going to say. Um, But the name that popped up immediately was Rashad Bateman. Where were you on Rashad Bateman before this injury versus where you are with him now? Has it changed much? You know, I will have to rethink things if we're still two to three weeks out and Hollywood Brown's still missing time. Hamstring injuries can be tricky and Mm -hmm. sometimes they can last way longer than we believe. But like Marquise Brown already has the connection with Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson's not even practicing right now for Bateman to get any leg up. So, like, I'm not worried about Marquise Brown until it's, like, getting to week one and they're still saying he's iffy then. Then I would be like, okay, I have to change some things, which might be too late for my draft. (laughs) But I'm okay with missing out on both of these guys because even before this news, I I really like Rashad Bateman as a talent. He was my wide receiver three coming out of this class. I absolutely hate the situation. Mm -hmm. And I believe Marquise Brown is still going to be a big part of this offense. Like, People don't realize Marquise Brown had like 28% of the target share last year. That can drop a ton, 
but it's it's not going to drop past 20%. Like he's still going to see a large chunk of the the targets. They still have Mark Andrews there. They don't pass a ton. They're going to run the most in the league. Like you know that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I had Rashad Bateman as my wide receiver 55. That really low. And then I have Marquise Brown at wide receiver 50. So I do have Brown right now outscoring Bateman slightly, but I don't want either of them on my team. Yeah, no, I mean, you and I seem to be of the same mind about that. And I know that there's there's very much a Rashad Bateman truther organization out there. Um, and look, I, I want to get behind it. And I'm with you. I think he's an incredibly talented player, but I think it's just a, a really unfortunate situation for his fantasy production. And you, you talk about you know Brown getting 28% of the targets, which seems great until you start to dig into exactly how much the Ravens are throwing the football um, that sort of brings that down a little bit. And yeah. I, I feel like every year they say, we're going to throw the ball more. At this point, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, I, I know that's a thing they say until they actually start throwing the ball more. Um, I just can't quite buy in. And so if that means I got to miss out, so be it. Um, but I need I need some proof <laughs> before any of this stuff happens. Um, so as I mentioned, I mean, you're you're doing the thing with Ball Blast, you and Kate, and you've know, you got a whole bunch of folks, a whole bunch of folks that we know. I think Matt Okada is over there. Yeah. Uh, a whole bunch of people that we are are friends with and have been friends of this show for a while. They're doing stuff over there. Uh, you're also doing the NFL stuff. So you are awash in training camp reports and news and all that kind of stuff. How much stock do you put into training camp reports? Because I feel like everybody freaks out over the littlest bit of news. How do you sift through what you think is really important versus what's just kind of like, eh, we'll be okay. Yeah, a big thing. So with training camp reports, we all get excited when there's good news about players we love, right? And those are the those are the reports we tend to take more seriously than when there's bad reports about the guys we love. We're like, oh, it's just training camp. And we all do it. We want to get excited. I try to not let training camp reports change my rankings too much. Now, if there's bad reports coming out every single day about a player, then obviously you're probably going to want to take those seriously. But if they have one or two days, you know, a bad practice, it happens, especially these young guys. Like you cannot change your rankings because of that. But, you know, if there's bad reports today and still we're getting to the end of August and it's like, oh, this player is just looking really terrible, then yeah, change them. But we heard one week before the season last year that Justin Jefferson was still running with the second team and he couldn't beat out all of BC Johnson still. And then he came out immediately and killed it. So it is hard to take these training camp reports too seriously. One way I like to look at them is like, how are these players being used? Um, like you, you can see if a guy's just being mainly used in the slot, right. Or if he's going, if they're putting them all around the field, like they're tr- purposely getting the ball in this player's hand, that's something I'm looking for. And I'm like, okay, this guy is going to be a big part of the offense. Uh, but you know, those splash plays that you see, those highlights, those big, those big bombs, you see them coming from everyone in training camp. Like those, <laughs> those really don't matter. There's some guys out there, like you're going to see him catch a, a few big bombs during the summer and then you won't see him on the field at all. So you can't, you can't take those too seriously. Right. I feel like, I feel like the, the, uh, the the, the the mantra I've sort of taken recently has been uh, it's the Ted Lasso, be a goldfish, right? Like you see it, you take it in, you internalize it, but you don't dwell on it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like some of these things, some of these things are important. Obviously, Carson Wentz being out for a couple of months, 
that's a big deal. That's something to pay attention to. Same with Quentin Nelson. Julio Jones, you know, takes the tumble, goes into the locker room. You know, Tyreek Hill with a little bit of tendonitis sitting out practice for a little bit. That to me is not something that we need to really, really worry ourselves about. Like you said, if we start getting to about a week out from the season and they're saying Tyreek Hill has a knee issue and, you know, they're not sure, that's when you start to panic a little bit. But right now, I think we still have plenty of time. I think you don't panic. Um, that being said, though, is there a guy or guys out there that you sort of have an irrational love for that no matter what you hear, um, it's not going to it's not going to change your your feeling about them? Yeah. And it, it's Elijah Moore. I say that I am wearing a Zach Moss shirt right now. <laughs> I know how much you love Zach Moss. Yeah. And I have a Zach Moss question for you later just because of that. Zach Moss is my dude. But uh, this offseason, Elijah Moore, rookie wide receiver out of the Jets, he is. Like, he's a guy that I think is going to pop immediately. Like, last year, and no one talks about it, but he had more uh, receiving yards per game than Devonta Smith did. Uh, 149 receiving yards per game is what he averaged last year at Ole Miss, which, by the way, is an FBS uh, record. So, like, (laughs) he's pretty awesome. So, I've already been so excited about him, and camp reports are just glowing. And this is what I'm saying. Like, we – we believe the camp reports we want to believe. But <laughs> one area that I've been reading about with more, you know, coming out of the draft, we didn't know he's a smaller size guy. He's five foot nine, uh, 100 and like not even 180 pounds. So a lot of people wanted to say he was going to be a slot guy in the NFL. But so far in practice, they're using him all over the field. And he actually took first team reps today at the beginning of practice for the first time and replaced Keelan Cole out on the outside. So he's been moving outside, inside, all over the place. And the reports are like they're purposely getting the ball in this guy's hands. And by the way, he is just one of my favorite players because I swear his hands are made out of glue. If I had (laughs) to just make up a conspiracy theory here, his hands are made of glue. He does not drop a ball. And he's just a fantastic route runner. And he works harder than anybody else. Like uh, he went to school at Ole Miss. So DK Metcalf, AJ Brown just took him under their wing and showed him the ways. And they've been pretty good in the NFL so far in their short careers. You know, there's something just intriguing about the Jets offense, right? I mean, between Elijah Moore, uh, Michael Carter, there are a lot of things to be excited about. Um, You know, I I keep saying this, and I know at some point it's probably going to come back to bite me because, you know, Jets, but I just, (laughs) I'm getting kind of excited about them. That's just, that's just all there is to it. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Um, All right. I give you a list of guys. I got some either ors. Guys that you think are most likely to have breakout seasons this year. So we'll start at quarterback. More likely to break out. Daniel Jones or Drew Locke? This question just hurts me because like neither. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to be able to say neither. Uh, Reports coming out for both of these guys have just been pretty brutal. Uh, But if I have to go with one, I'll go with Daniel Jones. Um, He has the more he has the better rushing upside and he is better at throwing that deep ball. Now, Kenny Galladay did go out of practice today with a hamstring injury. Hopefully that's just a small one, but at least they've surrounded Daniel Jones with Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony, and hopefully Saquon Barkley's fully healthy this year. Like we haven't seen Daniel Jones with too much talent around him where Drew Locke, like he's had talent around him and he's still been really, really, really bad. 
He's had a few good games. Don't come at me, Twitter. I know he's had <laughs> a few good games, but the rest have been terrible. Uh, I don't he, – he can't even beat out Teddy Bridgewater right now uh, in training camp. I know it's just week one, but if you can't read out Teddy Bridgewater, then it's probably not going to happen for you. So if I had to pick one, I'd go Daniel Jones. I mean, the, the you know, there was all that talk that Aaron Rodgers might get traded to Denver. It does seem like the Broncos are, are still searching for answers at quarterback. So, oh, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's just my my way of saying I guess I should <sighs> reluctantly get back in on the Daniel Jones train. Maybe. I don't think you need to. Okay. Uh, I that's think all it's I need fair to hear. Not, not be in on either of them and just go with Jalen Hurts because he's which, he's a dude that's gonna break which has this year. which has been more of the way I've gone with a lot of things is going with Jalen Hurts in that situation. So uh all right. So next one. Uh JK Dobbins or DeAndre Swift. I love both of these two guys. And if I had to pick one that I like better as a talent, as a pure running back, it's J.K. Dobbins. But if I had to pick one for fantasy, it's DeAndre Swift. Hmm. Uh, and I know the Lions offense could be really, really terrible this year, but he could also see triple the targets that J.K. Dobbins is going to see. Hmm. And I don't even think that's being unrealistic. Hmm. Uh, the, the Ravens just don't use their running backs in the passing game, and I know they say they're going to this year. But I don't get why, you know, you add all of these playmakers, you add Sammy Watkins and Rashad Bateman and Tylan Wallace, you still have Marquise Brown, you still have Mark Andrews, that this would be then the year that you finally start using your running backs in the passing game. Like, that doesn't make sense to me when you needed to use them before and you didn't. J.K. Dobbins had four total receptions. No, sorry, four targets. One reception in the month of December. One total reception in the month of December. And that scares me because that limits his upside so much if he's not getting 40 plus targets next year. And I don't see that happening. We saw Mark Andrews back a couple of years ago, average five yards per carry scored 15 touchdowns and he was still just the running back 11. Like I want higher upside than that. And that's would be an amazing year for JK Dobbins averaging five yards per carry. I think we all expect that, but mm. scoring 15 touchdowns is not an easy thing to do. And there's not a whole lot changing for J.K. Dobbins from last year, at least towards the end of the year. Like Mark Andrew, Mark Ingram was not seeing touches. Gus Edwards isn't going anywhere. Like he's a really good running back. He's still going to get his touches. The last six games last season, Dobbins saw double-digit carries in each of them, and he scored seven rushing touchdowns during that time. He was still only the running back 12 in points per game during that time from weeks 11 through 12, and that's scoring seven touchdowns. And getting all the carries, you know, that he's going to get this year, I just don't think his upside's high enough. And I see DeAndre uh, Swift's upside being way higher. So I'm going to go with Swift here. If the worst comes to worst, I see them like scoring the same amount of points. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think in the end they'll probably be pretty close. Um, yeah. I, I have tended to draft Gus Edwards more than I've drafted J.K. Dobbins, just because, as you mentioned, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think their production, while it might not be one to one comparison, I don't think it's going to be a huge gap and the draft price is so much nicer for Edwards yeah. than it is for Dobbins uh, that I've tended to go that way. All right. So this is one I, I, I did this to kind of poke at you a little bit. <laughs> Zach Moss or A.J. Dillon? Yeah, obviously I'm going to go with Zach Moss here. <laughs> Zach Moss is my dude. Uh, but for real, like if this answer probably seriously comes down to injuries, right? Like if Aaron Jones is to go down with an injury, then clearly A.J. Dillon is going to break out. And if Devin Singletary goes down with an injury, then I think I 100% think Zach Moss would just kill it. But if both of their guys in their backfield that they have to share with stay healthy 
I think Zach Moss provides a lot more value than AJ Dillon does because I, I believe even with Devin Singletary staying healthy, Zach Moss will be the lead back this year. Now for him to be consistent in fantasy, he's going to have to be more than just, Oh, I'm the starting running back for the bills. Like he has to take the majority of Devin Singletary snaps Mm. and the team does seem to like Devin Singletary as well. So as much as I think that Zach Moss will start and he will be the lead back, he'll get the most snaps in the backfield and he's going to get all the goal line work. It still might be hard to trust him consistently. What's nice is his cost, his draft cost, um, kind of it's built into that right you don't have to take him to the 10th round Mm -hmm. so if anything does happen to Devin Singletary I do believe he would break out when Zach Moss got the opportunity last year he was uh, you know he was really really good he averaged over five yards a carry and scored three touchdowns in his four games that he saw 10 plus carries he created the fifth most yards per attempt and had the seventh highest juke rate in 2020 among all running backs according to fantasy data Uh, That's only behind Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, J.K. Dobbins, and Dalvin Cook, who I think we can all agree are very good running backs. Like Zach Moss is a really good player. I just think he's stuck on an offense that's not going to give him the workload he needs uh, to show what he can do. But I think I'll take him over A.J. Dillon. All right, that's fair. I, you know, I just I tend to kind of just be hands off on Bills running backs because I just feel like you know for all the that's good fair. that they do, I think they're talented. I I love Devin Singletary, and my my constant yeah. joke is that like he needs three forms of ID to get in the end zone. Like he just can't <laughs> score touchdowns. Uh, you know, and in the end, like it ends up being Josh Allen who gets those rushing touchdowns. So, um, but I mostly just wanted to to I just wanted you to make your case for Zach Moss because I know how much you love him. So I just wanted to hear you make your case <laughs> for him. Um, all right. Brandon Ayuk or Jerry Judy? So uh, another two guys I'm really, I I love. Uh, I wish Jerry Judy had better quarterbacks. And Mm. I do think if he has Teddy Bridgewater throwing him the ball, like he's going to have a really solid fantasy season. I just don't know how high his ceiling is with Teddy Bridgewater. And then if it's Drew Locke, I don't know how high his floor is. His floor could be super, super low with Drew Locke, like we saw last year. Uh, So, I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk here because I love both of their talents, but I like Brandon Ayuk's situation better. I'm a little bit nervous if it's Trey Lance at quarterback, not because I I don't trust him, right? Like I think he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL, but he's going to be a rookie and he runs a lot. Like Mm -hmm. I'm scared how much this offense will turn to just being a running game, kind of like Baltimore uh, if Trey Lance is starting. But for now, it looks like it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm definitely going Brandon Ayuk. Last year, I mean, he absolutely killed it. He averaged over 15 fantasy points per game only six rookie wide receivers have done that since 2010 and the list is pretty great it's odell beckham mike evans michael thomas julio jones justin jefferson and brandon Ayuk. uh he just saw an insane amount of targets towards the end of the year and it seems like reports out of camp are saying he's the clear cut wide receiver one in this offense like he's getting the majority of the targets when they're running their drills so uh, I'm high on Brandon Ayuk this year but I think his cost is fair uh, with all the question marks you know Kittle coming back Debo coming back so Mm -hmm. I'll take a chance on him though I feel like there's a reason though that the 49ers traded up to draft Brandon Ayuk and I know at the time it it seemed sort of surprising to a lot of people um, but I think you saw how they used him in that offense and it gave you reason to believe like, Oh, okay. Kyle Shanahan has a plan for this guy. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he, he sees his skill set and wants to get him the football. And so I know that, you know, I feel like Ayuk has been one of the more polarizing guys uh, in fantasy this off season, because I think of what you talked about with George Kittle being back and Debo Samuel being back. 
how exactly he's going to get the ball in his hands that much. But uh, I just think, you know, with I, I sort of place my trust in Kyle Shanahan and trying to figure out how to get the ball to talented players. And I think Brandon yeah. is super talented. Um, you know, I like Jerry Judy. I just I'm sort of with you. I just I wish the quarterback play was better in Denver. And that would make me feel a little bit more confident there. All right. Uh, last one. Irv Smith or Gerald Everett? Because we're thirsty for tight end. So if we can add one more to the list, that would be great. This feels a lot like Daniel Jones or Drew Locke. Uh, <laughs> but I'll go, I'll go with Gerald Everett here. I mean, they're both stuck on teams that they're not going to pass a ton. And they're mm-hmm. both stuck on teams that have a great wide receiver one and a great wide receiver two, which is not a great um, formula for a tight end to break out. Uh, you want your tight end to be better, at least better than the wide receiver two. Um, and those are usually the guys that you see succeed in fantasy. That's not the case for either of these guys. But the reason why I'm going to go with Gerald Everett is because you know Russell Wilson's going to throw around 35 touchdowns. He just consistently does it. So Gerald Everett's going to have more scoring opportunities. And Russell Wilson does like to pass to a tight end. He doesn't often have a reliable one out there because they seem like every time Russell Wilson finally finds a guy (laughs) he likes, they get hurt in about five seconds. But hopefully Gerald Everett can stay healthy. And I do believe if he stays healthy, like Russell Wilson and him will build that connection. Irv Smith, you know, Kirk Cousins did score 35 touchdowns last year, 35 passing touchdowns, but that's not usual for him. Uh, It's the highest he's ever scored by far in his career. I expect that to come back down. So I I definitely am leaning Everett over Smith here. Yeah, I I mean, I think the thing that I like about every thing you talked about is that in the red zone down near the goal line, Russell Wilson does look for his tight ends. It's the reason, you know, a guy like Will Disley, uh, we tried to make him a thing until unfortunately he got hurt. Um, so if Everett can stay healthy, I think he at least has that touchdown upside. And look, we're at the point with tight ends where unless you're getting one of the elite guys that the Kelsey Waller Kittle group, um, you're just sort of hoping for a touchdown every week. Like if you're if you're streaming tight ends, you just want a guy who can find the end zone. If he can get you, you know, three, four catches, maybe about 40 yards and get you a touchdown like you're feeling great about your life. Um, and I think, you know, Gerald Everett has a pretty good chance to do that on a semi-regular basis there. So, um, but I do, you know, want to use the hashtag let Irv swerve too. I just think that would be fun. That would be fun. Now I'm rooting for him just to be able to do that. (laughs) So here you go. Uh, all right. Before I let you go, I always like to do some just kind of quick, fun, rapid fire questions. So I'm going to hit you with uh, the first one. Uh, if you had one beer to rule them all, what would it be? So I saw this question and it's hard because I'll drink any hazy IPA you put in front of me because I, I like to go to different breweries. So I don't have a specific brand, but okay. hazy IPA, IPA, but um, some more well-known beers that people probably know, uh, Fatheads, Bumbleberry. I mean, that's just elite. Uh, that's for <laughs> summertime. And then Southern Tier is Pumpkin. Oh, so good in the fall and winter winter periods all right i love that you have them broken down by seasons too because i think that's important i think i think we should learn to enjoy beers by season you know so oh uh, you got to yeah you can't you can't be drinking a pumpkin in uh 80 degree weather that doesn't make sense but i am moving to texas now so now i'm realizing that i'm going to have like one season and it's going to be hot all the time (laughs) you're gonna have like one you know like just one beer for the whole year basically or one style of beer at least for the whole year all right um Obviously, we have all been, you know, sort of in our homes for at least a year because of COVID and all this other stuff. What is the best movie or TV show you have watched in the past year? 
Yeah, so I'm so much a person that rewatches shows over and over. So like The Office and Friends and all those things. But I did watch The Joker this past weekend. Mm. I don't ever watch movies because they're too long and I have zero patience. I'm much more a 30 minute TV show girl. <laughs> but I sat down and I watched The Joker. It's so good. It was entertaining from the first second to the very last second. I never even thought during it like, how much more times in this movie, which I do every single time I watch a movie. Uh, it, it, I mean, it gets in your head. Like you think about it for a while afterwards. It's very dark um, and kind of depressing, but it was very well done. It's, I think it's funny. I, I always because you're not the only one who I have a lot of friends who do this who can binge watch shows but can't watch movies. Yeah. Is there something? Is it just psychological because there's that break in between? Is that what it is? I have no I, like a new storyline each time. I have no idea because I can sit down and watch like six episodes of The Big Bang Theory, but try to watch, make me watch a two hour movie. And I just like, I'm miserable about it. But <laughs> for some reason, the Joker just didn't feel like a movie. It was fantastic. I All know right. I'm really late to the party. Like everyone loved the Joker like two or three years ago. But like I said, I don't watch them. So uh, I just be happy. I finally watched it. But also now that it's like, you know, two or three years later, like, you know, you're, you're removed from any like spoilers or any real talk about it. So you can sort of enjoy it for its, you know, on its own. Like, so that's yeah. true. So there you go. Uh, all right. Last one. Uh, who is the better fantasy player, you or your wife, Kate? You know, what? I would love to say me, but it's Kate. It's Kate. <laughs> and you know, what's even more annoying is I taught her how to play fantasy. She did not watch a second of football before she met me. Like she didn't care about football. And then I got her into my brother's league and she's like, well, now I have to study for it. And then she and then she became a, a crazy person, a maniac about fantasy football like <laughs> I have. But now she beats me all the time and it's super annoying. We both do like the same amount of research and all that. You know, we make sure we're trying to be our best fantasy selves. But for some reason, her gut is just right way more than my gut is. And uh, it's super annoying. But yeah, I'll, I'll give her the crown on that one. Oh, well, the, the honesty is refreshing. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that's really cool. Hey, Michelle, always appreciate the time. Um, for folks who are maybe just learning about you or want to know more work, where, where can they find what you're doing? Yeah, you can find all of my work on Twitter. You can find me at Bob Blastem, Bob Blast E-M. Uh, and, you know, anything I do, I post over there. But go check out our website, BallBlastFootball.com. We have a whole team of writers, and they are amazing. They're putting out content consistently, and it's just some really solid work they're doing over there. And then also me and my wife, Kate, that we just brought up, and um, Jake, our friend Jake, we co-host a podcast called a ball blast a fantasy football podcast you can find that over on itunes iHeartRadio, anywhere you listen to podcasts it's ball blast one word by the way because if you type in ball blast two words it, there's some weird stuff that come like, on nice and w stuff yeah, with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one word just so you know uh we did not think that through when we named it uh but yeah uh, we enjoy our podcast so i hope you do too Awesome. Very, very cool. Well, Michelle, appreciate it. Uh, and hopefully uh, you and I and Kate and many, many others can uh, run into each other and uh, swap beers and stories uh, in Canton. That'd be great. Make sure to put your mask on me on the table so I can steal it. I will do. I will do that as well. So uh, I appreciate it. And then for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, don't take candy from strangers. Unless it's Halloween, then all bets are off. Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Get vaccinated. And we will see you on Thursday. We're two, day We're two days a week now.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.